1: Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We are the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. We are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Jim Clark and we are inviting you to call in with your questions, comments and concerns. Our toll-free number is 1-888-F O R K F A X. That's 1-888-367-5329. Don't be shy, pick up the phone, let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is 1-888-F O R K F A X. In the Bible, one of the most terrifying and horrifying scriptures is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, where it says, God shall send them strong delusion. Question, what does the phrase strong delusion mean? And what can we do to avoid falling into this trap, whether you are in the church or outside the church? Join us now as we come to part five in this series entitled... Why does God send strong delusions? Stay tuned, for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Good evening, Dr. Buckner. How are you doing tonight?
2: Brother Jim, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for uh, that wonderful, challenging introduction, and thank you for being here, and Gary Stead.
1: Amen. We need to pray for Gary, because he's not feeling too well.
2: That's right. Thank you so much for that as well. Sure. Uh, as Brother Jim has said, we have been doing a series on uh, strong delusions and uh, why God sends them. And we know why He sends them because people have rejected the truth over and over and over again, and that's why God sends these strong delusions that they would believe a lie rather than the truth. And so uh, we've built this upon Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, and tonight. Uh, I want to do a special message uh, in relationship to that and talking about uh, how does strong delusions relate to the Las Vegas massacre? How does strong delusions relate to the Las Vegas massacre? Let me say this to start it off, um, this message, our thoughts and prayers go out continually for the victims of families and for those who are fighting for their lives to live and for all those in the ministry fields, medically fills the uh, counseling fields, and the ministry fields. We are praying for them <clears throat> that God will continue to use these people uh, to help the, those who are in need. At least uh, fifty-eight to fifty-nine people were killed at the Jason Aldean country concert on last Sunday night, and more than five hundred people injured after Stephen Paddock, sixty-four, or Stephen Paddock, sixty-four, of Mesquite, Nevada, opened fire into an open outdoor country music festival from the thirty-second floor of the Las Vegas hotel. Uh, The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Sheriff Jason Labardo told a news reporter Monday morning that authorities believe that Paddock killed himself before the police entered the room. The sheriff also said that he believed that this radicalization attack was unknown, yet which could refer to some Time or some kind of uh, terrorism act, either alone or by some other forces, and uh, ISIS also claimed that they were behind it. What I'd like to do tonight is to also share with you uh, four lessons that we can learn from this uh, Las Vegas killing massacre. And uh, you might want to get your pens and paper out and get all of these points down. Number one, always uh, remember and be ready in life because you never know when death will hit you. It is a sad time and a demonic time that we are living in, but it's not only a sad time for those people were brutally killed in a bloody open field. But we should also remember this, that more than 58, 59 people are, more than 58 and 59 people are dying every day with some type of tragedy, and there are thousands of people dying every day, going into a Christ-like eternity without Jesus Christ. And that is even worse than dying in A real bad tragedy here on earth. Dying without Jesus is worse, a worse tragedy, and you have to ask the question how many of those people really knew Jesus who died in this Las Vegas massacre? That's a critical question. Now, when 58 to 59 people die in a tragedy like that, it is always a shock. Or surprise, and there is a great reason for the shock and surprise. And some sick, deranged uh, sociopath uh, and a person like this man uh, is with this terrible uh, act, is somebody that we're dealing with every day, and we never know when they're going to come forth and do something on this level. But we need to all be reminded after 9 11 and many other terrible events that death one day is going to take us all out of this planet if the Lord continues to tarry. And you say, I don't want to experience anything like that, that terrible in my life. Well, an example of death can get you in many different ways. Death can get you in your sleep at night. Uh, death can get you on the, when you leave your home on the freeway. Uh, death can get you with a fatal disease, and you can die, and you can die in many different ways. And this is a reminder of what happened to those people. They didn't expect this. They didn't expect that this would be their last day on the planet. And a lot of us are not expecting that as well. And Jesus said, I'll come as a thief in the night, and we need to be ready at all times, and we need to know him. We need to not only have insurance, but assurance. And this terrible death or this dying of uh, these people is not the ultimate tragedy. But the real ultimate tragedy is people who are not prepared to meet God and Christ after death. To be not prepared to meet God will cause people to end up in a Christless eternity, separated from God and hell forever. And that is the real issue today. Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Because we never know when He's going to call us home, and we need to be prepared and ready at all times. Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said, It is better. Uh, for me to be with Christ. You know, it's it's worse to be uh, separated from God throughout eternity, and I wonder how many of those people are separated right now from God throughout eternity. Number two, when a tragedy hits us and surprises us like this, it's always a reminder that it never hits God by surprise, no matter how horrific or terrible or evil it is. We need to never lose hope nor faith in God because He is on the throne and He's still in control as the Almighty God. And that is always comforting, that God is on the throne and that He is in control. And we must keep our eyes on the Lord through this tragedy and every tragedy because He's on the throne and He is in control, not Satan and not this killer, but God is in control. He's on the throne. Number three, when tragedy always hits us unexpectedly or surprisingly, God always takes what is meant for evil, and he brings good out of that. And we know this from Genesis 50 and also Romans 8 and 28, where God says to the Apostle Paul, All things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. One of the worst tragedies in history that was uh, the greatest terrorist plot and act was the crucifixion and death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God took that greatest terrorist and tragedy act and brought the greatest triumphant good in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that that is a greater good that God caused Christianity to grow and change the lives of people throughout eternity. And let me say this, number four, and lastly, now when men and women reject the crucifixion and the resurrection over and over again, it can lead to strong delusion because they have rejected the greatest truth, and that can lead them to Christ, but yet they have gotten into this strong delusion where they've believed a lie rather than the truth, and that is causing them to be confused regarding the truth of God. Now, some examples, even in this massacre in Las Vegas, I've noticed after interview after interview on TV news stations from people who escaped death and survived the serious gunshot wounds... Nobody has given God or Christ the credit and the glory and the praise. I've looked at people talking about it's been lucky. Uh, I was fortunate, and I escaped this and that, but not giving God and Christ the credit and the glory. One black young man said, quote, I don't know why I went back there to help others, even though I was shot in the neck, close quote. Well, he should have said, God, let me back there. Now, this reminds me of the solar eclipse. People were praising the sun and the moon. They had fallen into what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, where they worshiped the creature more than the creator, and they were into the sun and the moon. These type of tragedies should have us running and crying to God like David, like King David in the book of Psalms. When David was in trouble, he cried out to God and he ran to God, his creator and his maker. But I understand why they don't cry out to God and run to God because they have rejected God so long, so many times. And because of this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is true. God has sent them strong delusions that they would believe a lie rather than the truth. Now, let me say this in closing this message. I want you to hear this uh, loud and clear. This is a heavy point. Now, there was one outstanding miracle that took place that was told on CNN where a man cried out to God and ran to God. Here is his testimony, which is a miraculous miracle of God in his life. His name was Bien. He says, quote, He and his sister escaped from the mayhem unscratched, close quote. As a result, he was able to give his testimony to the network on Monday morning. Bien described, quote, How a former agnostic, was changed by the course of events that unfold Sunday night, close quote. Bien says, quote, I was an agnostic going into the concert, and I am a firm believer in God now. Bien told CNN, quote, because there is no way that all of that happened and that I made it, and I was blessed enough to still be here alive talking to you today, close quote. Now, here is an example of how someone decided to say yes to Jesus rather than no over and over and over again, and he said yes to Christ, and the strong delusion of Gnosticism jumped off of him rather than staying on him. But the strong delusion stayed on this killer, Paddock, this strong delusion of believing a lie. Satan told him a lie rather than the truth. And this killer of a massive murders in this uh, open field of this concert did it because a strong delusion came upon him from Satan, and he used this man. The police and authorities are saying, we are trying to still find a motive. What is the motive behind this? And they have not been able to find a motive. Well, I want to give you a motive from God's perspective. The scriptures tell us, and Jesus told us, that in John 8 and 44, Satan is a murderer. Jesus also told us in John 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan was the motive behind this man, and he possessed him. That was the motive that strung this man and controlled this man into doing what he did to believe a lie on this killing spree that he did, this murder spree, and uh, we need to understand that the enemy is behind all murders and all of that stuff. Now, let me say this, and I'm finished with this. This is a warning to all of us that if we don't turn to God and we keep saying no and no to Christ, anything could happen to any one of us. This man, Paddock, Stephen Paddock's brother, told the media that he had no interest in religion. He had no interest in God. And this opened the door to a strong delusion coming up on him. And Satan entered into this man, like he did Judas Iscariot, and Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ, and this man betrayed the people, and he went out and committed suicide, like Judas Iscariot, when the Scripture says Satan entered into him, and he went out and hung himself. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that you might have life, and have it more abundantly. Oh, we need this life that Christ has come to give us, and we need to repent and stop saying no to him and say yes and surrender our lives to him. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Jim. My goodness, there's a
1: lot to discuss there, and that's a great story. I have not heard that before. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Buckner. Well, we've got a break to let our sponsors better serve you, but we would like to hear from you after this break. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. My name is Jim Clark. I'm in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we are discussing the Vegas massacre and how it relates to God sending strong delusions. But before we get back get back to that discussion, we want to begin by thanking everyone who has been praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your prayers, we could not remain on the air. We also want to thank those who gave over the last 2 weeks Diane and Ronald, Jim and Kim, Joshua, Bruce, Bomani and Camila, Richard and Carol, C.R. Charles, Sandra, Jackie, and Bridget. It costs us $400 per week for this program to be on the air. We are listener supported, so we can't do this without you. If Dr. Buckner's teachings have been a blessing to you, won't you partner with us and send a donation to help out this very vital ministry? There are two ways you can give. You can send a check the old-fashioned way, and the address to send that to would be Contending for the Faith at P. O. Box five five three Tiburon, California nine four nine two zero, or the easy way: go onto your computer and go to contendingfaith.org. dot org. That's contendingfaith.org, dot org, and click on the donate button. You know, we get uh, messages from our listeners from time to time, and they uh, always uh, bless us and some of the things that they they say, so we wanted to kind of read to you some of the messages that we've been getting. Dear Dr. Buckner, thank you for your message on strong delusion. It is so evident in our world today. Your teaching really strengthens me and helps me focus on God and His Word. I pray for contending for the faith and the callers, and also for more listeners to step up to the plate and give, and give. (laughs) Love, Sandy.
2: That's awesome. (laughs) It really is. We always enjoy the responses of people, and we want to encourage people out there, when you've been blessed by this program, to call in, and uh, not only call in on the radio, but uh, write us and let us know how the Lord is uh, blessing you through this ministry, and also make it a a commitment to give as well. Do we have another letter? We do. Oh, we okay. do. Yeah, you know, and it's
1: a uh, this is from Bridget and she wrote, "Hello Dr. Bunker, thank you for your weekly wonderful program." In Jesus I pray, Bridget. You know, it's short, it's sweet, and it just uh, is a total blessing. Amen. You know, you just read that and you just want, to "Thank you, Bridget." Amen. And thank you, Lord, for for blessing
2: us this way. Amen. It's so encouraging to us. We appreciate uh People taking out time to do that.
1: Yeah. Now, so let's get back to the discussion. In fact, I was uh, thinking about what you were talking about with sharing that story, that amazing story of, of the, uh, uh, the agnostic who finds faith. You know, many people, when this sort of thing happens, this is the, – the people in the world, they, they generally look at this and say, how can there be a God when such evil exists? And, you know, that's not an illegitimate question. But they don't consider the flip side of that. It, most people would – would curse God in a situation like this. Here's a man that finds that God must exist through the same event, obviously because he sees it from a completely different angle. He sees it as, as he has escaped with his life, and and, you know, and he has found that God must exist, and that furthermore he, he must worship him. That's a that's an awesome change. I could tell you as one that went from being an agnostic to being a Christian, it is a grand leap. It is a it is not something that that we do on our by ourselves. It is a work of God. It's amazing. It's
2: definitely a work of God and you hit it on the nose because you know the Holy Spirit is always speaking to uh us as Christians, but it's also speaking to non-Christians and uh we Uh, can hearten our hearts as Christians, and then unbelievers can hearten their hearts. And and that's one of the things that we pray all the time, that uh, God will uh, open up the eyes and the hearts of people. You know, they are going to be having a movie come out uh, within the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's going to be on Steve McQueen. I don't know if you heard about that. No, it's no. going to be on his life, and Greg Laurie is going to narrate that because his experience with, uh, with parents being uh, alcoholics and crime and all of that, Greg Laurie, who has a tremendous ministry in, in Riverside, pastors large church there, um, went through a similar situation. So it's going to be in the theaters in a couple of weeks, and— uh, they're going to be. Uh, he's going to be narrating that. But uh, at the end of his life, he said that uh, uh, Steve McQueen. He just got sick and tired of the addiction and Hollywood and all the madness, and he just wanted to get away from it. But when he got away from it, he wanted to find God. And Billy Graham came to visit him and uh, literally led him to the Lord. I did not know that yes, story. Yes, and so it's going to be in the movies in a, what is a couple of weeks, so it's going to be a thing that uh, we as Christians want to see. It's kind of like what James Dobson did, you know, right at the point of uh, Ted Bundy being executed. Before he was executed, he led him to the Lord. Mm-hmm. He went there to visit him at uh, prison and led uh, this massive killer uh, to the Lord. Uh, so uh, we uh, are thankful to the Lord for that, but it's, it's God— the Holy Spirit opening up the eyes and ears. And, you know, he did say, Jesus said, the Spirit, when he comes, he will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he did that with that agnostic, and he wants to do it with other people who are listening tonight who don't know him and all of us to bring us to where we need to be with him. Amen. Amen. And so we appreciate you sharing that, Brother Jim. And I guess we should get to some of our... I um, think that us. would be a good idea. I think we got Jermaine as first on the line. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, uh, yes, I'm here. How are you doing this evening? Oh, uh, I'm doing very well. Oh, well, good. How did the Word of God, the message tonight, speak to you?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Dr. Bunyan. It's uh, another timely message. It seems like you've uh, been preaching, and then the Times have verified your message.
2: Amen. Well, thank you for the encouraging words. I'm glad that it was it touched you, and I'm sure it touched a lot of other people out there as well. And what did you have on your heart tonight? What's the question on your heart tonight?
0: Well, just uh, on my heart is um, I'm finishing up my my personal project of going through verse by verse with various ministers, and I found um, I thought I was through, but then I found uh, Chuck Smith had a, um, a verse by verse ministry at one point, I think it's dated from 79 to 1982. And I noticed a trend with a lot of uh, pastors, certain denominations or whatnot, that preach on the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And the, I guess the thing I was wondering about is it seems like a lot of them, from reading the New Testament, believed it was imminent within their lifetimes. And some of these people have passed on to go to the Lord. And I know some critics have used that as a point of contention, to doubt the veracity of the scripture, but I just wonder if it's, if it's maybe uh, is it kind of a riddle or is it a simple mistake? Cause I just feel like if I was a, a pastor, I wouldn't, I would preach that Jesus is coming. I do believe that, but I have no idea when And to say soon as if it's tomorrow, it just seems like it could be misleading at times or at least cause a little bit of confusion. So I was wondering if you could help clear that up for
2: me. Yes. Uh, thank you for that. You know, There are a large segment of uh, evangelical Christians who believe in the imminent return of Christ. I believe in the return of Christ, but not the imminent. Uh, The imminent uh, is a term that uh, derived pretty much out of dispensationalism. And dispensationalism goes back to the 1800s. Uh, under a a young girl who literally uh, had uh, said that she received the esoteric revelation that the church was going to be quickly taken out of the world. And so she ended up influencing uh, John Nelson Darby, and then John Nelson Darby influenced the dispensationalist movement, and the dispensationalist movement uh, influenced Dallas a theological seminary, where you hear uh, a multitude of uh, prominent uh, theologians and radio personalities um, and people, uh, and then the Schofield Bible as well, you know, uh, something that uh, Javer and McGee used to, you know, mention quite a bit. You know, that's a dispensational uh, Bible. So, um, but the scriptures is very clear that there's going to be a chronology. Uh, before the return of Christ. And this is the thing that I was bringing out in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, where the Apostle Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he lays out, and you may want to do a thorough study of that uh, and uh, <clears throat> so that you can uh, see the layout of what the Apostle Paul is, is doing. And he lays out something quite uh, interesting. And let me just kind of like uh, share a little bit of it with you. He he says in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Now we beseech you, this is verse one, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto you, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter. In other words, uh, there were the church was uh, bombarded by. People who were talking about an imminent return of Christ, and Paul is telling them to not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither in spirit nor by word, because they were doing. So a lot of them were preaching. Some of them were preaching it, and some of them were sending letters, and they were talking about the day of the Lord is at hand. Now notice that he says they say that the day of the Lord is at hand, and then Paul simply corrects all of this and put it in a chronological order. The chronological order is this in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. And this is what has happened on a historical level. For that day, the day refers to the second coming of Christ, shall not come. See, they're saying that it's going to come imminently. He says that that day shall not come except there come, number one, a falling away first. That's apostasy. That's people turning away from God, turning away from the church, and we see that on a large scale today. And then secondly, he says, after the falling away, then the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. So the imminent return doesn't want to, it says that the church is going to be gone, before the Antichrist come. No, I don't believe that. I believe that the church will be here during the time of the Antichrist because Paul wouldn't be writing this to these Christians and warning them about it if they were going to escape it, see? And so he says, And that that the man of sin be revealed, the son of per- perdition, who opposes and exalted himself up above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he... As God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what he's saying here on a chronological level, that this is what's going to happen before the return of Christ. And then when you look at Matthew 24, Matthew 24, the preterists try to say, which they put everything in a historical framework, the uh, full preterists, what they do is spiritualize everything, but the partial preterists put everything on a historical level where they say, you know, that the Antichrist really was uh, Nero and Rome and that sort of thing, and that things have taken place in Matthew 24. Now, Matthew 24 is not only a local prophecy where Jesus talks about the temple will be destroyed— it will literally be destroyed, and he prophesied that. But in the second half of Matthew 24, he talks about the coming of Christ. So it is a local prophecy, and it's also a future prophecy. It's giving you both of that. It's not in the historical framework, which which partial preterists try to say and brother Gary Bell was saying to me the other day he was saying Dr. Buckner you know what about the Jews and their genealogy they said well all of the genealogical records it's for us Jews knowing who is their ancestors they can go back to germany but beyond that uh, all of the genealogical records were destroyed in the temple when titus the emperor came in there he literally destroyed all of the records that were in the temple so this is my assessment of that but you just got to be careful about dispensationalism because that is the thing that is perpetuated in trying to say that the coming of Christ is going to be imminent. Do a thorough study of dispensationalism and put your discernment cap on and be aware of it because most of the churches that they have been influenced by that but that's not been the historical position of the church.
0: Okay, all well, right. thank you Dr. Buckner, I appreciate your answer
2: Hopefully that helped you out Yeah, it help me, helped me out a lot Alright, praise the Lord, praise the Lord Good question, all right. thank you so much Are uh, Alright, thank you Oh, you're welcome, we'll keep you in prayer You have any prayer requests?
0: Uh, yeah, just um, continue To be able to to witness To uh, unsafe friends and family That have that struck a struggle conversation
2: recently Alright, let's do that, let's help Jim To pray for that and also pray for the crisis in Las Vegas and the people that are still fighting for their lives, and uh, that uh, people will be touched like this, agnostic and turn to the Lord, Brother Jim. Father God, we uh, we thank you
1: <clears throat> for Jermaine and uh, his call and his question, and Lord, we uh, we pray for him and his ability to be able to witness to his friends. Lord Jesus, give Holy Spirit, just give him the words to say and the and the compassion to be able to share them. And Lord, I I just pray for him, and I ask you that you would strengthen him. We also ask for your mercy upon the people in Las Vegas that have uh, the the victims and the victims' families, and that they have uh, suffered greatly during this time, Lord. We just pray that you would that you would bring more hearts towards Jesus the way you have done for this man who is an agnostic. Lord, maybe he's just one story amongst many. Lord, we know that you are all-powerful, and Lord, uh, that not every story is going to be broadcast in the news. So, Lord, we thank you, and Lord, we just pray that more lives are changed and, uh, and more hearts are made right with you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jim. Thank you, uh, Well, I Brother think Germain. it's probably time to move on to that commercial, Amen. you think. Amen. All right. Well, we've got to break and let our sponsors better serve you, so we would love to hear from you. Please give us a call, and we'll talk to you after the break. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith. This is Jim Clark in the studio with Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we are taking your calls about the Las Vegas massacre and God-sending strong delusions. And, boy, we had some interesting discussions about that already. So right now we've got another caller that we'd like to get to, and uh, that would be CeCe. CeCe, are you there? Yeah, yes, I am. How
2: are you doing this evening, CeCe? Uh,
3: It's been pretty rough, but I'm hanging in here.
2: Well, good, good. How did the message speak to you tonight?
3: I really, First of all, I'd like to say it's really comforting because uh, when that happened, you know, I'm a person, when I hear tragedies happen like that, I take it I take it really hard. You know, some people brush stuff like that by Some people do. Some people don't. But me, I took it really hard, and I've just been really upset, upset about, like, you know, what happened to those people. And, you know, and even me reading the Bible, sometimes, I said, oh, how come God let something like this happen? And even though I, I know it from a theological perspective, when it happened, it, it just it just really affected me. You know, it's like wow. You know, it just it, it, it affected me bad just to, just to hear that happening, But hearing the message that you taught today uh, opened my eyes back up again and, and got me thinking more. You know, more on on a, a biblical biblical level. You know, saying like the passage you used really spoke to me and you talked about John eight forty four and John ten ten. And you talked about you know how to, how Satan was behind it and you know, you you brought a lot of light to it, and this is what I'll say. I mean, there could be some people out there listening who may be agnostic and don't believe in that, believe in the Bible, but what you with what you said actually corresponds because not only did you talk about it from a theological perspective, but you brought it from a practical perspective. So even somebody looking inside out could say, well, you know, they could be struggling with that, but deep down in their heart, what you said they know that if that's true, you know what I'm saying? Because God is giving everybody a consciousness that there is a God. And so, I mean, the message you taught today leads, leads me to um, to to say that
2: we need God. Everybody,
3: we all need God. You know what I mean? I don't care how people think it is. When tragedies and stuff like that happen, a lot of people don't understand that. The very persons they're rejecting is the one that they need, or the very being they need. And you brought a light, a lot of light to that. I'm pretty sure it spoke to a lot of people and. And and I wouldn't be, and I'm not surprised if a lot of people came to know Christ today over the radio through that word, because you know I, I know you spent a lot of time in prayer and in preparation. Not only that, um, I could see you speaking from your heart. You care about people, and that's 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 what true Christianity is. And I really appreciate that.
2: Amen. Well, that uh, blesses me just to get that uh, type of input back from you and uh, brother CC. Uh, there has been people, I don't know if you remember, a lady calling in a number of weeks ago, and she mentioned your name, and she was saying that uh, that guy named Cece, uh, he said something that really blessed my heart. Do you remember that?
3: No, I didn't I didn't hear that.
2: Yes, I just wanted to let you know that. There was a lady called in about uh, three or four weeks ago, and she just mentioned about you, and she said that she was going to support the program, and send us a blessing. And then she said, you know, uh, that gentleman, Cece, said something that really ministered to my heart. And uh, matter of fact, we should try to find that Cece, that CD rather, for Cece and uh, get it uh, to you. And uh, so you could, uh, you know, have that. And I think you'll be encouraged by that.
3: Wow. 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 Praise the Lord. I give all the great glory to him. Wow. Praise. Thank you for um let me know that. I give it all back to him. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Uh, I appreciate that.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. And um, what, you know what the word agnostic mean?
3: Um, from a, it doesn't mean like somebody who doesn't believe in, believe in uh, Christ.
2: Well, the word uh, atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. Agnostic uh-huh. means one who says you can't prove the existence of God, nor can you disprove it that 's what the mm. word agnostic means so um, this gentleman that came to know the Lord, it was a miraculous move of God that uh, came upon his heart and and we know that there 's always hope as long as there 's life there 's hope, but uh, we like I said in the message uh, there should have been a lot more people doing that, but A lot of people are locked into that strong delusion, and once you get into that, and some move from that to a reprobate mind, and that's a scary mind and state to be in. Uh, But uh, anyway, what is uh, on your heart tonight? What uh, question do you have?
3: Okay, it's in Matthew 24, and that that testimony touched me too, by the way. Too That was like the um, inch pin on everything else that you said, when you said about that man who came to Christ, that, that helped me tremendously, you know, saying with the grief that I've been having. But I'm in Matthew 24. Um,
2: well, while and, uh, you, before you get to that, just to add one more thing to this uh, uh, agnostic who came to know the Lord, it's really an encouragement to all of us that we never give up on people. You know, atheists, agnostics, skeptics, cultists, people into false religions, into Islam— Never give up on them because we never know what the power of God can do uh, in a person's life. And uh, we just know that God is always working, and he's working with those who we may have said, oh, there's no hope for that person. As long as there's life, there's always hope. So just wanted to add that little piece to it, too. Amen. 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 Never give up on people. And uh, so you were in uh, Matthew 24, correct?
3: Yes. Yes.
2: And what's your verse? Uh,
3: the first seven and then the latter part of verse eight. Well, it was only what? Well, the latter part is only verse eight is the closing of it. Yeah.
2: Okay. And what would you like to know?
3: <clears throat> I would like to know in terms of um, what led Jesus up to these these, these statements cause, um, that he uh, talks about the nations and then. He said all these are the beginning of the birth pains. Oh, that that jumped out at me too, you know. And I know that's all connected to that verse, but that jumped out at me too.
2: Well, that's a good question. When you look at verse 3, it talks about as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, uh, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. So the thing that sparked Jesus to get into the discussion with them is because they asked the question. They wanted to ask the question about not only the temple, but uh, Jesus went a step further and uh, took it to the future, talking about uh, the signs of the end of time. Uh, Like he said, when you see the vulture circling the carcass. A lot of people said that seemed to be very confusing. Well what he meant by that, he was using the figurative language when he was saying when the the vulture, eagle, circle the carcass, in other words, uh, the when a vulture circles a dead carcass, it circles it high above and then it continues to circle around and round and round and it all of a sudden it comes down on its prey that's already dead. Well, Jesus was using a illustrative illustration to say that like the vulture circling around and round, he was talking about even the signs of time. They are circling around before us, and one day he's going to come down upon us just like uh, a vulture comes upon its prey. So he's going to come down upon us, and so... And then what Jesus does, he, in verse 4, he says, And Jesus answered, and he says unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. So Jesus is laying out several things that will happen before his second coming. I mentioned in 2 Thessalonians several things, and these are things that are happening right now before Second Thessalonians will be the crudegus. I call that the shot in the skull regarding the direct coming. This is the indirect but direct things, but not on the heaviest level as Second Thessalonians because that's when the Antichrist will come. So here he's building before the Antichrist because here... He not only lays out several things that will happen before he comes back. This is what you lay out here. There are several things. There are five things, and these five things are in the news today. These are the things that always in the news. Number one, false prophets, always somebody saying that they are the Christ or Jesus, and Jim Jones did that, David Koresh, and on and on. The second thing is wars and rumors of wars. Third thing is famine. We, uh, you know, after every hurricane and storm, people are without. We see that around us today on the news in Puerto Rico and all over the world. And then uh, diseases, and this is the word pestilence talking about diseases. We see the epidemic of diseases all around us, even the AIDS epidemic. And then number five, earthquakes, that's happening. All around us today is these five things that are in the news. Jesus said these things will happen before he comes. And then he later on talks about the abomination desolation. That's where he is getting into the Antichrist, coming into the temple and uh, profaning it. And, uh, And when he comes in there and profanes it. And that's what he talks about in Second Thessalonians chapter two, when he talks about he sitteth in the temple claiming that he's God. So that claiming that he's God in Second Thessalonians Chapter two fits into the abomination desolation. And he said in verse twenty-one, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. This is World War Three. We've had World War One and Two. This is World War Three, and uh, it's coming. It's coming. So this is what he's laying out here. All of these things that's in the news today. You know what the word eschatology means? It's the end times. Yeah, the doctrine of the last days. And so your question fits right into uh, Germain's. This is the end of time discussion tonight and hopefully that's helped you out
3: it helped me out a lot i really appreciate that thanks a
2: lot you're welcome and do you have any prayer requests before we go off the air and uh, i know you always have something on your heart
3: yeah if you could pray for me and my family my mother rosalinda and then also um just uh to press press around my head and then, then the last thing is to um pray for um andy murphy and bruce willis you know, those I've been looking at those guys, and I want to, you know, pray for them. And then again, to pray for that this tragedy of those people.
2: Amen. Those are some good prayer requests. So we have Brother Jim to pray for those prayer requests, Brother Jim.
1: All right, could you remind me, uh, Cece, once again, who is the the individuals that you wanted to pray for?
3: Um, I want to pray for me and my family, and then you know I have some pressure around my head. Then Bruce, uh, Bruce, Bruce Willis and Eddie Murphy, and then the uh the people who have been imp- impacted by this tragedy in vegas okay my mom
1: <clears throat> all right lord we uh we thank you so much for for cc and it's hard to pray for those people those people that are uh, out there in the public eye and lord we would love to see them uh bend their knee to christ and lord we uh we pray for first of all for cc and his family that you would Continue to watch over them and keep them healthy and strong, and Lord, uh, just uh, embolden CC in his efforts to try to reach people for Christ. Lord, we pray for Bruce Willis and Eddie Murphy, Lord, that uh, that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit to really to really um, speak to them, Lord God, that they would uh, recognize who you are as this man has done after this tragedy, and Lord, we pray that uh, that you would just continue to bless them and to watch over them, and I pray all these things in the name of your Son,
2: Jesus Christ. Amen, Brother Jim. Thank you so much. And, C.C. thank you so much for your call and always your good questions.
3: Thank you, too. If you can have somebody call me, like, during the week uh, what you guys' address so I can send something to you guys, because you guys say it, I always missing because you guys keep talking really fast, and all oh, I get is the P.O. box, and that's it. So if you guys mm-hmm. could um, I have somebody call me it call Do me with the address, you guys have my number, I appreciate it. Do
2: you have a pen and paper right now? Uh, yes, I do. All right. Let me have uh, Jim give it to you real slow because he's going to be ending the program real soon. But this is a good time for you to write it down. He'll give it to you real slow and for the other people as well. All right, CC. So here you go.
1: It's P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Spell Tiburon. For Tiburon, T-I-B-U-R-O-N. Okay, and I think we've come to the end of another exciting broadcast, and it has been a very interesting discussion. So we would like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being a part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note and let us know how this program has blessed you and the address I just gave you. You can also reach Dr. Buckter by phone at 415-721-1778. And please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith